Turn on the cameras and turn up the music We're live in the room, so just stop what you're doing The other side of the ring, let me show you how I do it One, two, three, sixty, this is how I view it I go by wrestling flow, but the next stop The legendary Hall of Fame voice of X-Pac Welcome to another edition of X-Pac 1, 2, 3, 60. And um, I'm really excited about this one because uh, joining me today is my dear friend and uh, uh, former rival for the European uh, Championship, D-Lo Brown. D, what's up, man? Pac, how you doing, bro? I'm hanging in there. Thank you for having me on. This is a pleasure. but looking forward to this um, since you brought this whole idea up to me. So, uh, man, I, I can't wait to dive into this. Yeah, you know, man. Hey, I've been wanting to do this since before I went on hiatus, oh. and I'm not sure. I guess you know what it is, man. Like, um, sometimes like it got to the point where I, I felt like I was bugging people, like to like, oh. hey, come guest on my show, right? Like, I didn't want everyone to be going like, oh, every time you hear from X Pockets, he wants you to be on his goddamn podcast. <laughs> no. Look, dude, when when you reached out to me, I was like, hell yeah, I will do that. Yes. It's, and we can, we can talk for 1, 10, 25 hours. I don't care. Yeah, it's talk. just, it's just, uh, um, yeah, man. Uh, oh, shit, I just had a brain fart. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it happens all the time these days, D. Uh, I don't know about shots. you, man. Too yep. many chair shots. Yeah, but hey, um, D, uh, I had Nick Houseman from Wrestling Inc. Uh, join us, uh, so he can kind of help steer the steer the ship a little bit, you know. And we could just kind of um, concentrate on, uh, you know, reliving uh, some fond memories. Cool, Nick. How you doing, my brother? I'm good, D'Lo. Uh, it's a pleasure to be a part of this. I was happy when Sean asked me to do it. I've spent my day here watching you and Sean wrestle quite a bit it was really enjoyable it was actually a very nice day i had today because of this oh, tremendous so. i i uh when 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 Pac first brought this up to me i started refreshing myself on some of our old matches just to see the flow of stuff and and well we 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 tore it up that's all i gotta say i'll get into more later we tore it up and you know i'm not like i think we were doing like i don't know well, I know I was doing like at least 15 dates a month because it was in my contract and probably like, you know, at least at least uh, two thirds of those were uh, in the ring with you. Absolutely right. I mean, I we, were on, back. we were on the road, you know, was it Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, yeah. uh, Tuesday. And, you know, you know, Friday, Saturday, we're off somewhere in a house show. And I just knew before I got on the plane who I was going to be working with. Um, and yeah, you and I. We locked horns so many times, and I can tell you, honestly, thinking back, I've wrestled in the ring with you as an individual and as teams more than any single person I've ever wrestled in wrestling. Oh, wow. That is without a doubt, because if you look at our nation stuff, our, our European title stuff, um, stuff with you and me and Mark Henry and you and Kane, I mean... I loved it. I we loved were, it. We were, we were always somehow linked together for years, and I love... I just... I enjoy our time there. And, and like, one thing I want to jump in and say, say real quick is like you bring up the, the nation and DX, like watching you two wrestle, something that popped out to me is you guys were really kind of like the workhorses of your respective groups. And I don't know if that's why you wound up wrestling so much is because you represented those stables and factions so well, but you guys were definitely of, of your 
you know, entities at the time, definitely the workhorses, I feel, of your stables. That's a fair, that's a fair statement, Nick. And, and I'll go um, this far too. Um, before I came back, like my first run in WWE, the Intercontinental title was the workhorse title. Yeah. When I came back, it was the European title. When yeah. we had it, when we were trading it back and forth, the European title was the workhorse title. Without a doubt, that was the that was the match you knew you were going to see wrestling. You were going to see a competitive match, and it didn't matter if it were you, you and me, or you, me and Val Venus, or or you and and Jeff Jarrett. It didn't matter. Whoever was in there working for that title, we made it like it was our world championship. That's why it meant so much. That's why we went out there and busted our asses. Because that was hey, our world title. Hey, D, maybe you can answer this, uh, but I can't remember uh, one way or another. Did we ever have a match for the European title actually in Europe? That's a good question. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> That's a damn good question. Um, I mean, I know we both defended it over there, but I don't know if we actually ever... Yeah, um, I, had a match for it with each other. I think we may have to, to reach out to the listeners and the viewers on this one because I I I don't remember if we actually ever wrestled in Europe for it. And we had to have. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember if I, but we had to have. One of those capital carnages or insurrections or one of those pay-per-views over there, we had to have done it at least once. Oh, well, the capital carnage uh, pay-per-view? Uh Having the European title got me a world title match with The Rock. Boom! See, look yeah. at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it was. Like, it was. I think it was. It was Rock's one of his very first title defenses too, and he had to lose to me by DQ. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> he had to learn the strikes. Made you do the crusty the crown laugh. That was really funny there, Sean. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I wanted to kind of start at the beginning here because when I was looking into y'all's history, kind of before the the European. Uh, championship stuff um deal you got you got to wwe or wwf at the time kind of just before sean came back to the company mm-hmm. um like i think it's about like four months or so before sean came back did you guys know each other at all did you have any familiarity when sean came back to the com- uh, company how did you guys you know kind of first start to to hit it off you know once you shared well, a locker room i knew of sean when he was the uh, the lightning kid and he had done a show, a couple shows for Larry Sharp at the Monster Factory. That's where oh, I yeah. broke in. So I remember my first match was on a show that Sean was the main event in. So that was my only first introduction to Sean um, in, in the wrestling arena. Um, it wasn't until we got, you know, he had come back to WWE at the time. Um, and then we were paired up in the nation that we start, you know, bonding on that level and, and getting to know each other that way. Hey, D, were you there the night I almost got killed? I was definitely there, and I heard your head hit the concrete, and I, I still can hear that sound right now. It sounded like a watermelon coming <laughs> from 10 feet in the air. Man. What, what happened? I was working with, uh, not to go off too far off course, but real quick, I was working with this guy named Bill Wilcox, and um, he he did a dive to me on the floor. And he uh-huh. went, he kind of overshot it. And so I jumped up to catch him. And his yeah. weight came down on my head and smacked onto the concrete. It was awful, man. It was, it was one of the, scary, was one then, of the scariest things because um, he pulled you back into the ring. And then and rolled then himself pulled, up. Yeah, and rolled himself. And you're out like a light. 
and he's pitting himself with you on top of yeah. him. And it was just scary. Yeah. Oh, yeah, crazy. Boy. But anyways, yeah. Okay. But yes, that was one of my that was one of my first shows where I met where I met Sean. D, I just like my first um the first time I heard of you was you were at Smoky Mountain, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I was and in Smoky Mountain. You never came down there, did you? Only I only went to Smoky Mountain uh to do like a house show that I don't know if you were you working I don't think- for, for Jim when he did the the house show at uh, Marietta at the Cobb County Civic Center? Yes, yes, yes. I, I worked there. at I worked at Broadway with Bobby Blaze. Okay, you know what? Then I, I remember that then I'm then, see how you forget stuff, it all blends together. Yes, I was there. Because we didn't do Marietta that often. Yeah, it was so, the only yeah, time he, I yeah. But we really we really started to get around each other in WWE, WWF, because of we were always the guys you know, when it was the nation DX, you and I had the opening spot yeah. and one of us was involved in the finish. Yeah. And that, it was always that way. Um, you know, cause we would go, go set the tone. Let's light it up and then tap to the other guys. Yeah, we, and going back to earlier. Yeah. I think we were the workhorses of our. Oh, for sure. Without a doubt. Oh, absolutely. For sure, man. Yeah, and so you know, before we get to the, because I got some notes here on the European title stuff. Yeah, I mean, talk a little bit about you know what it was like for you guys getting to you know share the ring, get to know each other really through the Nation of Domination DX stuff. Because I mean, there's a lot of really fond memories people have of that period just before you guys kind of started to, to go into the singles feud here. You know, I yeah. mean, for 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 me, I can say that you know, as someone who knew, you know, I got to see. Um, you know, Sean, when he was the one, two, three kid and lightning kid and him getting the big win over his Ramon, you know, at, 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 uh, on Monday Night Raw. So I had seen his work and I knew what he was about. So when I finally got the chance to get in there with him and, and, and full disclosure, I was green as grass when I got there. And and literally going out there, I was this pup who wanted to make a good impression. And and Sean kind of just grab gravitated to me and started going, hey, let's try this, let's do this, let's do that. And then our chemistry just just grew. And very organically just grew. Um, oh yeah, for sure. We're ours, like we are really like we have really good chemistry style-wise because hey man, a lot of people they still might not understand that. Like D, you're a big, you're a like a, a big heavyweight. You're not, mm-hmm. you're, you're you're on the small end of the big man scale, in my right. opinion. Yes. And and you're, but you do a moon salts and all kinds of shit, and it was just, man, it was it was really like refreshing to have someone with a with a more modern style to be in yeah, there with. You know, I, that's that was the thing that um, Cornette really encouraged me was, you know, you're an athletic dude. But you're not a super heavyweight. I mean, I'm six. I, you know, six three, and at the time I was, you know, three hundred pounds. Um, just coming to WWE, so he's like, allow yourself to be athletic and stand out. So that's why I did the moon salts and you know the frog splashes and Frankenstein's and and yeah. you know I'd do something to stand out. So it was it was cool being in there with Pac because he's the quicker version and he could do all the you know all the high flying stuff. And then I would I would throw this one little thing out there. And it's like, oh shit, this is awesome. Yeah, and, and we just we just we just we meshed really well. Yeah, and I just and it was, yeah, yeah, a lot of really cool offense. So it was like, because I like to be shut down. A lot of guys are like out there bogeying and wanting to shine the whole fucking time. Like, 
And if you give me one shine spot in the beginning, you can shut me down and get the fucking heat on me the whole rest of the match. Well, I don't that, care. That's how you get over. You're the baby face that you need the exactly. sympathy. You, you don't you don't get over by doing all your stuff for 35 minutes and then having guy punch you one time. You know, you, you, you get yeah. you connect with the crowd by showing that emotion, that sell, and that allows the heel to really get into his character. That allows Bayface. It's it's such an easy dance that we lose sight at sometimes. AD, um, correct me from if I'm wrong, but um, I think like you won the European title from me first, right? Like I dropped it to you first and then got it back from you because I'm pretty sure I got it from Owen. No, no, I got it from. Did I get it from Trip first? You got it from Triple H. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. D-Lo yeah, got the title originally from Triple H. I yeah. remember because that was the night. Um, because it was leading to Rocky Trip at the pay per view, and I got to wrestle Trip. You got to wrestle Rocky for his title, and I beat Trip. So the thought was you were going to beat Rocky for the world title in the main event, and then somehow we thus nations hokey dokey and screwed you over. But I took it, I with Rock Self. I took it from Trip, and okay. then I dropped. Then I dropped it to you. Yeah, um, that's what I got too. Because one of the things I wrote down here was because it was like. I don't know, year and change, maybe a little less, that Triple H would like be in the main event picture. I think he wins his first world title. Mm-hmm. It felt a little bit to me like he was kind of moving out of that European title picture with the bout with you and was maybe moving on to a little bit higher up on the card. I could be wrong. Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. That is very much what he was doing. He was moving up the ladder at that point. And and Pac and I were moving into that spot that he was vacating. Okay, it's a nice little spot to move into. Oh, I, uh, look, <laughs> that's, that's most of it for sure. I, I'm yeah. blessed to I'm blessed to have been part of it, so I ain't complaining. And, and the thing is, <clears throat> you know, um, there was always something cool for for us every week, like you know, to where, and not just us, you know, people talk about it, like. Like during that era, and with with uh, with Vince Russo uh, doing most of the writing, like he made sure there was something for everyone. Yeah, you know, he made sure there was something storyline wise for everyone, and you you felt like you were contributing, like you had skin in the game, mm-hmm. regardless of where you were on the card. Yeah, and and I tell people a lot a lot of times back in the uh, Attitude Era, you didn't just buy a pay per view because it was SummerSlam. You bought a pay per view because in the in in the main event, it was Undertaker versus Steve Austin. In the second main, it was Rock versus Hunter. Then it was me versus X Pac. And like, you would turn on the pay per view, and the first match would be in, or you're like, okay, hold on, let me let me, I gotta watch this. I can't move. Okay, I'll get yeah. my popcorn. Second match, and then another match where you're invested. Everyone had something that you were invested in as a, as a as a fan watching. So I've had people tell me they would wait to get a popcorn match and get something, and never get out of their seat because every match led into something else that had a story and had a meme behind it. And before you knew it, you've seen color bars, the pay-per-views off the air, and you sat for three hours, didn't move. 
So we all meant something. People people give Russo a lot of stuff every now and then, but you know, we all I, meant something on that show. And like I think a lot like the, the criticism of Vince is fair, but like I think he deserves the credit too, man. Like if you're gonna give the criticism, like I think mm-hmm. you, you, like you know, be fair and give the credit too. I agree. You can't you can't take the good without the bad, and, and he did some good and he did some bad, but you know, give him credit for both. He used to be. He used to call me every Wednesday and tell me, "Hey, this is what we got for TV." I don't know if he did that for you, but like he did. The, he did the exact same thing. I, I would get a call every Wednesday. I knew what I was doing before I got on the plane, um, uh, either Thursday, Thursday night or Friday morning. I knew what I was doing. I knew exactly what I was going to do that Monday to get a feel, so I could think about it over the you know the couple of days. I don't know. I don't understand why he quit calling me like after a few times of me telling. I'm like, I thought his fucking idea sucked or something. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know why he would do that. I can um, understand it. It's just, uh, you know, the things that just make you go, hmm. <laughs> well, uh, kind of uh, talk a little bit about creative here. Just before your guys first, uh, the, the first time you're going to take the title here um, from, from D'Lo, Sean, uh, it, it sounds like Triple H, yeah, he got injured uh, seven, September 15th taping. It looked like you guys had just done like a dark or maybe a six-man tag match with Jeff Jarrett and Owen Hart. Was the plan always for you guys to go in to a European title program, or was this something that was kind of thrown together because of Triple H's injury and like other creative plans kind of had to go to the wayside? I don't know if you even remember. You know, Is that why they did that? Is that why they did that thing where, where Shamrock slammed his uh, leg in the door, in the car door? He had a tricep injury right then. Yeah. Okay. A couple weeks earlier, I think. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I I can't remember. Actually, uh, Nick, like I can't really remember enough to to give you a decent answer to that question. Like it probably like it was probably something that was thought about, and you know, yeah, like I, there was a decent amount of planning behind it. If I had to guess. I, I mean, I know if you look at how the nation was, you know, you always had Rock and Hunter in orbit. You had, you know. Uh, Godfather and Mark uh, and the Outlaws in an orbit. So it was kind of like a natural evolution to have Pac and I go at it. And, yeah. and I don't know if it was the plan. I mean, I know there had to be some thinking into it. I think the angle, our arc with the European title probably stretched out longer because of the quality of matches we were having. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I think that might have made it better, but, you know, I don't know if it was written on a board, but I knew after a while they they put it on the board because we, we forced them to. Yeah. Hey, yeah. D, you know something that just popped into my head? And I thought about this the other day, too, when I was thinking about all the different house show matches we had and mm-hmm. all that. Remember the time, I, like, and like just like not too long after this, probably later, as soon as I got home, I went to the doctor. Um, I was diagnosed with sports-induced asthma. Do you remember I had a big asthma attack in the ring with you and just, like, called an audible, hey, let's go home? And, like, I had to have you beat me just out of nowhere, right in the middle of the – like, do you remember that? I, I think I remember that because it was just – it ended abruptly. Yeah, I turned – I started turning purple in the ring. Yeah, fucking... you, couldn't, you couldn't breathe. Yeah, man. It was brutal. Wow. It's amazing the stuff you forget, then you remember it when you start – start. yeah, I remember you said, like, let's go home now, now, now. Okay. Like out of nowhere. Like I honestly guy was scared fucking shit, man. I think he has asthma too, doesn't he? Didn't he keep like a uh, inhaler underneath the ring? I don't know if he ever did anything like that. But Oh yeah, no, like like after that, the referee always had an inhaler in his pocket. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, is yeah. that pretty common? For me, I, yeah. No, oh. I don't know about for everyone else, but I just, I took it upon myself to, you know, make sure that was, you know, it behooved me to make sure that the referee had a, you know, asthma inhaler in his pocket. Yeah, you don't want your inhaler being 30 feet away in the, in the locker room. Is that an asthma inhaler in your pocket? Or are you just glad to see me? I couldn't <laughs> help it. I had to do it. Make sure the ref, make sure the ref <laughs> right pocket on him passing you a gimmick and blade your mouth up. Like, he's, got the, he's got the international object there for you. Um, this this first match you guys had too on commentary or uh, on Raw, I thought was kind of interesting. Other than the action, you guys obviously work very well together. But I was blown away. I didn't know that Shane McMahon and Jim Cornette. Actually, I, I didn't remember this at all. Actually, did com- they did commentary for your match? Do you guys know why this was? Like, were, were they a team there for a little bit? This is like a black hole in my mind that this happened. I don't I, know. I don't know. I know. I know. Corey was doing commentary. I think that was like wasn't it like jacked or metal or something? It wasn't. It wasn't on the main show, so they were probably the throwaway announce team. If that makes sense. I don't know. I and. Like we weren't even close to WrestleMania where I worked with with Shane for the European title. Like I mean, that was still a ways away, right? So yeah, dude, this was yeah. eight, six eight months before that for sure. You know, that's yeah. why I was because the way Shane was on commentary, it sounded like he, in particular, like Sean was like boys with you. He was like, yeah, he put you over throughout that bout. You know, yeah, we had, we were we were kind of close because you know when I first when I went there back in '93, like he was fairly close in age to me, and we kind we bonded like. Like one time we went skydiving together, you know, like um, things like that. He did, like he man, he went out of his way to try to, you know, um, you know, have a relationship with me. And like he, I don't want to go off on a tangent about that. Sorry. Oh no, <laughs> I'm so bad about going off into the weeds. It was just so weird. I don't know that I've yeah. ever seen Shane do commentary. He was very much like his father in a lot of ways when he called match here, you know, and the action was really good. And one of the things I also wrote down here was just that you two had such a clear heel face dynamic. Like they knew to boo you, D-Lo. They, they were all about, you know, cheering you, Sean. I just didn't know if you guys wanted to talk about how that really helped you guys have your matches and also, you know, play with the fans since it was so clear cut, you know, who was the heel and the, and the baby. Well, well, the thing is, is, if you'd never seen the show ever and you just went to the match for the first time, you wouldn't have had to guess who was the good guy and the bad guy. I mean, mm-hmm. D made it very clear, you know, right up. I mean, even if I was a little like, you know, that, uh, whatever. That, you know, like, but, you know, your job as a heel is to make, let people know you're the heel. Like you said, if they've never seen the product before and you assume that there's an audience out there who has never seen anything you've done before. They need to know just by looking at the match who good, who evil is, and then gives them a point of reference. Um, it's easy to be a heel when you've got a really good baby face selling for you and, and bouncing all around for you. And then it gives you time to throw your character out there and be that, be that, you know, that ass that people want to boo. It makes it really easy. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And man, like watch I don't know how many power or body slams I watched you give Sean, but it was a lot. And oh, like yeah. even just watching you take a body slam from D'Lo Sean, I was like, that looks really brutal. I don't know how you do it differently than everyone else, but it just looked different. I don't know. So um one of the other I, things- I was just fine. Yeah, I'm good. I mean, I made it through anyway. Like yeah. Man, like I don't remember ever coming out of a match with D'Lo. Um 
you know, feeling any less good than I did going into it. I can definitely say I don't think we ever like potatoed each other. Oh come on, man! I I had to lit you up a few times, dude. No, well, on, that, that 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 kick, that spin kick of yours in the corner—that one was tight, but it was never <laughs> dangerous. Yeah, as long as you keep your mouth, as long as you keep your teeth clenched, shut. Everything's fine. Yeah, locker room somewhere. So after you guys had this first bout here, Sean, you take the title from D'Lo. Like, was there a real from Sacramento? I don't have the city here. Can I have a? I I I think I remember us. I don't know. I think it was Arco Arena, but I might be worried too much about uh, minor details. Fine. I was just going to ask if you guys got a good what the reaction was like backstage because, like, the thing that I thought was so interesting about watching you guys, and maybe it's just because I was so familiar with seeing you in Nitro not too long before Sean, but these felt more like you know WCW cruiserweight style matches. They didn't feel like the kind of traditional WWF mid card matches you were getting at the time. Um, I I think they were like I know I I know why why you say that. I think they were like kind of like that, but with main event style psychology. Okay. I, I, I agree. See, like for me, I never thought of it as mid card. I just thought of it as this is our main event and we're going to work like it's a main event and we're going to put on a main event level match. It doesn't matter where we are on the show. And it, it was mid card in terms of, yeah, that's where we were, but I don't think people saw our work as mid card. If, I, if I'm going to venture out there well, and say that. Well, I mean, Nick was comparing it to like the WCW cruiserweight style. Like, I mean, we tried to use, you know, like I, I think both of our arsenal was, you know, main event level. That, that type, but I mean, they were like innovative moves, you know. Yes. Like, uh, yeah. So I mean, that's like, I think that's why, like, you know, it kind of our, felt our, that way. Our moves that were so different than anyone else in the roster, they stuck out. Did you guys have a lot of freedom then when it was time to put together your bouts when you were doing these? Total. Total control. Hmm. Yeah, I can't even it's it's hard for me to relate to some of the stories I hear about, you know, about producers slash agents like, you know, hey, you know, uh like trying to trying to influence your I just I don't remember like it was never like that. It was we, never we, a thing. No, our Thank agent would come, our agent would come to us, it was Hey guys, here's your time. Here's your finish. Come back to me in two hours. Yep. And it was kind of like, what's your finish? It wasn't recite the match. It was, what's your finish? And the rest yep. was just up to us. You know, we get maybe bullet points for storyline purposes, but other than that, it was, is go out there and create. And, Were you, you guys? Know, that, I'm sorry. Were you getting notes or blowback on doing any moves that they were like, that's a little much. We would maybe prefer you don't go that far. Or were they just happy to let you go out there and just kind of, like you say, main event style, try to go steal the show in some way. That, that's it, Nick. Just yeah. that's it, man. Yep. They were happy. They had more tools to play with that were over here that they could elevate up at any time. So they would just go have fun and, and entertain. Man. Hey man, I, I really want to talk about, um, the vignettes that you did as European champion, the like, um, you know, I thought they were really creative and, and like how much of that was your, was your uh, idea or was like a lot of that pretty much, you know? No, it was between Russo Bruce and I, just, you're sitting there just talking ideas would flow. 
you know, and then like little things like um, me being announced from different cities in Europe. That was like a house show rib. I used to do it Tony. Yeah, Kimo. I love that. <laughs> and that was literally a house show rib. He'd he go, where are you going to be from tonight? I'd go, listen, Portugal. The next night I'd go, Dribble France. And then it just made its way to TV. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was, once again, we had the, we had the freedom to try something. And if it succeeded, it was great. If it failed, you moved on. And, you know, that's, that was, that made our creative process so, so enjoyable. Yeah. And, and what about, uh, I, I just hate to kind of bluntly ask this, but like, how did you feel about the vest, Dilo? You know, when we talk about the clear face heel dynamic, like, I think one of the things that easily helped you like define yourself quickly as a heel in any scenario was like how the announcers would just be like, this guy has like a 50 pound weight attached to his chest and it's like a weapon or something like that. You know? Um, when the best idea was given to me, I hated it. I hate the concept. I was like, everybody's going to call me Johnny Bench because I wanted to be a wrestler. <laughs> but then, but then after I sat and thought about it, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a not a super heavyweight. I need something that's going to separate me from the rest of the roster. Something that's going to make me stand out. And that's what the chest protector did. And then when you put it in the context of a heel, using a fake injury to put on, you know, this, this vest, you know, the iron Mike shark thing with the, with the arm and just getting heat. Cause my finish uses, utilize this, you know, illegal object. It just got neat and made people, you know, piss people off. So I loved it. And it worked because you embraced it and you went all in with it. So, yeah. you know, people bought it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I fell in love with it. It became, it, I went from hating it to, it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. In terms was, of a character. Storyline-wise, was it something that Dan Severn did to you, if I yeah, remember he, correctly? He put me in a, a double arm bar, and then we, <laughs> we, we tore my peck. Yes. So I was off TV for a week, and the next week I came back on. Uh, I did something with uh, – I helped uh, Rocky beat Ken Shamrock. The frog splash, we're in the chest mm-hmm. for the first time. And from there, it was off to the races. How engaged was Vince with you guys at this time? Like, was his prior because he's playing a big on-screen character? He's working with the main event guys. Was he very engaged with what you guys were doing at the European title picture? Uh, I don't remember him because you know, like you said, he had his own thing. Yeah, he had his own stuff. But like, I, I just remember always getting the thumbs up from him. You know, coming back to the curtain man, and that was the main thing. That's it. When you walk back to the curtain, I tell people all the time, and I'm wearing glasses, so it's perfect. There's two looks Vince gives you. He'll either push his glasses up, look at his, give you a thumbs up, and look back at his run sheet, or if he pulls the glasses down and goes, I don't want to see that one. If he pulled the glass down and waved you over, you really messed up, and he has stuff to say to you. Unfortunately, unfortunately, unfortunately I, that happened to me a couple of times. I remember when you and I in the ring together, thankfully. No. Yeah, but one time, believe it or not, uh, when I got back from a match with Eddie Guerrero after he, after he got there, it just was not what Vince was hoping for from us. And uh, he sent us back out to do it again. Yeah, that's <laughs> you what he did. And you just filmed a whole new one? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hmm. I'd like to see the original one. It'd be a nice little Easter egg. Um, well, go back to the feud here after this first, you know, big title win that Sean had over you, Dilo, you guys went up against each other raw October 5th. Uh, you guys were the opening bout. Um, and I just, 
at the time, remember watching this, thinking about the time going head to head with Nitro, everything's very heated. What was it like for you guys to go out there and have the opening bout on Raw, like the first thing to grab the fans' attention and try to not get them to go over and watch your competition right out of the gate? Did you feel that pressure? Do you change? Do you do anything different when you're in a situation like that? Personally, I don't. I don't remember feeling like overly pressured by that position. Mm-hmm. I just felt like whatever position you put me in, I was going to get the job done. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I agree. I it, my thing was I was I was happy that they put us in the first match too, and they put us together because they knew we could attract and keep people there. Um, my pressure was I always wanted to go in there and work hard. Just as hard for for Pop as he was going to work for me, um, and that's the only pressure I felt. I didn't feel pressure like, oh my God, it's nice on the other channel, and there's there's you know there's seven million people watching us. No, I just wanted to go out there and put on the best match that we could together, and 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 steal our moment, and and make that moment memorable. Whether it was the opening match, semi main event, or you know in an alley somewhere, it didn't matter. I just wanted to make sure our match was our moments were memorable. Yeah, I think I think the like the one thing I guarantee you I was happy about was getting that fresh crowd. Though while oh, there was still oh, some yeah, life in them, yeah. <laughs> yes, because it's so much harder to work. You know, ninety minutes into a two-hour show, it is that crowd is that crowd is beat up because so they've nice already and- they've already seen some shit uh, yes. before Raw even went on the air. Yes, they you were know? out. When you when Raw come on the air, they were where they were already probably an hour deep into you know Sunday Night Heat or Jack or Metal, mm-hmm. and then Raw comes on the air at nine. So it's nice to get that fresh crowd that they're seeing you know the quote unquote uh, established stars right off the bat because you get that nice reaction. Mark, you know, hey Nick, um, I don't know like if if uh, you notice, but like during. A lot of my stuff with D, like China was at ringside with me. Mm-hmm. That was my follow up here. Yeah. I w- well, China, China was seconding you. Mark Henry was largely around with yeah. D. And then, like, yeah. underneath all the action you guys were putting out, there was this, like, sexual harassment storyline that I absolutely <laughs> wanted to bring up. Can you, <laughs> can you talk about the what China and Mark Henry, the, what, what they brought to the dynamic of your European title feud there? I, well, I mean, it was great. I, I thought, you know, um, go ahead, D. I loved it. I, I thought it added because, you know, we were there doing the wrestle, wrestle, wrestle stuff. And China and Mark were outside doing the entertainment stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, Mark flirting with China, serving her with papers, you know, and that underlying story of, you know, Mark's got a thing for China. It, it was added to what we were doing in the ring. It never took away from it which was amazing. And, and, and go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. It just reminded me of this TV match. It was a handicap match. It was, it was myself in China versus Mark Henry. Mm-hmm. And D, you came down uh, partway through the match and caused a distraction, which led to um, uh, Mark caught, caught Joni in midair and power slammed her. Um, it got the one, two, three, but man, that was one of my favorite TV matches I've ever had. It was such a hot segment that people are going fucking ape shit, man. Yeah. It was so easy working with Mark. Man, but I love Mark. I love Mark is Mark was and he Mark was still green and still learning. That's all and, right. 
And it was great because he had this unbridled potential. And a lot of people, you know, gave Mark a lot of, of flack because, you know, he wasn't he wasn't perfectly good all right off the bat. But Mark, he learned and he worked and he worked and he worked. And, you know, it paid off for him because he became a, you know, a main, main event guy from all that work he put in yeah. learning. So he, he paid off in the end. Yeah. And, and, and- Oh, go ahead, Nick. Sorry. I was going to ask you on the flip, how was China adapting at this point? I mean, she'd only been with WWF like maybe a year and a half, two years, you know, come this time. The way I, you know, I just thought she was great, man. Like, and just taking it like, like biases or, you know, personal Mm -hmm. feelings out of it, man, she was great. And, and like, I got, I have to credit Stone Cold Steve Austin with, he was the first one that sold for her. Like, you know, she, she he fed out to the floor for her. She hit him with the flipper, and mm-hmm. down he fucking went, man. And if Stone Cold Steve Austin goes down for you, fucking everybody needs to go down for you. Absolutely so there was right. no problem with anybody selling her shit, man. Like, skimming up to, like, the Judgment Day pay-per-view match that we had where I won the title. Mm-hmm. Um she was a really important part of that finish, man. We got a a, a great near fall out of out of your feet feeding over to her for a a, a flipper for a, a elbow, yeah, for a fucking flipper. And I got like a, a near fall. People thought I was going to win. Well, and 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 the fact that you know Joni was such a person that we all cared about, and we all didn't mind going in there and helping her, and and she's working as hard as we were. So yeah, anytime she would hit me, I didn't care. Um, I would feed out to her all the time in, in our singles matches, our tag matches, Nation DX didn't matter. Um, and, and just her in her size, her look, not, everything she did looked great. So I didn't mind selling for her one bit. And you're right. If Steve Austin can sell for her, who the hell am I to say I can't sell for her? Yeah, anyone. <laughs> anyone. Yeah. So yeah, I I I love I love bumping into people. I would do it in a heartbeat. Didn't matter. And uh, so, hey man, like I don't know if you were going to ask about that match uh, further down here on the on the rundown, but like um, I fucked the finish up in that match and had to call an audible and fucking if it wasn't for how great you were out there, D. Like, do you remember what I'm talking about? That was we we messed the finish up, and that's why I, I called no, I the. Uh, up. Well, we we both did because we were both in the ring together, um, and that's when I, I called the X Factor up the top rope, right? Yep, yep, yeah. I didn't know. I just, I just catch with the X Factor, and there it was. I just dove yep. off, and you caught me, and boom, one, two, three. Yeah, what a recovery, man! <laughs> but we we both did it. So I mean, look. Man, Here's I, the I, thing, Dave. Here's the thing. I wasn't confident in. And I should have just said so before we went out there. I wasn't confident uh, in being able to like it was. You were supposed to like go for a power bomb, and I land on my feet and hit you at my finish. Mm-hmm. I wasn't confident I was going to be able to do it. And going out there and not and like getting in my own head, like I think is what fucked that up. So um, man, I'm glad that I'm glad that we fucking. Pulled it out of our ass. We pulled it out, and still, I mean, it, people talk about that match till this day. So, I mean, we left an impression on them. So, it, it, only you and I knew it was mess up. That's it. I could have sworn up and down that was the finish. So, had you guys done that on house shows before the 
the dive into the the X factor, or was that literally something that you thought of on the spot and said, "Let's go this way"? Literally thought of it right there that second. Wow. <laughs> we had, we had never done it before. Man, you were taking some. You took some big bumps in these matches, Dilo. You both did, but like in this match here in particular, uh, you went for the lowdown and you missed. And I just wrote here, uh, you have to ask Dilo, how much does it hurt to go for the lowdown and then not hit it? Okay, I'll be honest with you, full disclosure. It hurts more when you hit it than when you miss it. Okay. Oh, wow. Especially with that chest protector, I bet. Well, when you hit it on someone, my job is to protect the person I'm hitting. Yeah. So I'm, I'm absorbing the full force on my forearms and my knees. When I miss it, I'm laying flat like a pancake. It just spreads all over you. So it doesn't really hurt. You know, it doesn't hurt as much as you think. It hurts, but not as much as you think. So it hurts more to actually hit it. Okay. Well, my balls hurt watching it. So good <laughs> for it. No, it's just taking that flat be- that flat belly bump. You got to do it. Take a good bump. Sean worked with me. He knows I doesn't. I don't do any of that. <laughs> I do yeah. forearms. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I worked. I worked like Nick was a heel manager opposite of me on a show where I tore my asshole. Oh, that was the show. Different. No, first time I tore it. Okay. <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew the torn rectum story once. I didn't know you did it twice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, once wasn't, what, once wasn't good, I got to go for the double dip then. I just figured after the first one, like, what are the chances of it happening again? Uh, true, true. <laughs> well, you dive crotch first and do enough things, Sean. You'd be shocked what happens down there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um. Then we moved to Judgment Day here. So this is really the rubber mm. match of like uh, what I would consider the trilogy, I guess, of the big bouts that, you know, yeah. were the title switches of your, your European title feud. Um, mm. The Observer said that you guys were going to be having some kind of gimmick match at Judgment Day. Obviously, that didn't happen. Any recollections of possibly putting some kind of stip on this, or was that just mm. something that doesn't resonate with you at all? It doesn't ring It doesn't ring a bell to me. It doesn't ring a bell to me either. I don't remember us having plans of any kind of gimmick match. I mean, and and the thing is, is like we didn't fucking need a stipulation. No, I think that I think that would have overshadowed what we were doing. Yeah, well, a European title on the line—that's the fucking—that's the deal. Yeah, and at that point, we had enough matches and enough history between each other that people were invested in us just to go out there and see who was going to win between the two of us. I don't think gimmicks would have just watered the product down. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I I agree with that. And just before the match. Sean, you got to cut a promo. Oh, it's uh, brutal. I laughed because we just talked about how scared you are of public speaking during the last <laughs> we did. Yeah. And during this, it was interesting because it was obviously live. You started to say Intercontinental, stop yourself, said European Championship. I don't know if you just want to like talk to everybody out there a little bit about where your comfort level was at, with promos at this point. Like, how Was that worse? Was it scarier for you to cut a promo like this than actually go out in a ring and, and wrestle and put your life on the line? Yeah, it was worse. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And, you know, like I I say this a lot. um, You know, uh, at least I came off authentic. You know, even if my, my, my promos or mic work wasn't, you know, wasn't smooth. So, Dilo, here, wait one second. Where did Dilo go into the ether? I'm here. Hold on. (laughs) There I am. There I am. Hey, Dave. Sorry. Yeah, we can okay. roll right back into this. Back yeah, don't worry. Yeah. 
So what was I saying? You were talking about how fearful you were of the promos at this time. Oh yeah, just you know, it wasn't it wasn't my strong suit, and uh, I thought like um, I thought sometimes I I I caught a pretty good one, but I wasn't as consistent as I, I should have been. So like I said, like the I think the authenticity saved me. You, you were know? you seem pretty confident, Dilo. Were you ever intimidated by the mic or no? I when I first got around that I was very much intimidated by the mic. And, you know, one of the hardest things is is speaking in public in a character making people believe what you're saying because you never want to come off as disingenuous or corny. Um, but luckily, I spent a lot of hours yelling at my rearview mirror while driving in the highways, practicing my promos. So um, when they gave me a chance to talk, I wanted to put it out there. I, I got I, I got I got diarrhea of the mouth, so it's OK. For me. I, I love talking. Hey, so so D. Um you know, with the way your, you know, you your character, the way you built your character up, and like, uh, all that, man. To me, it was ripe for an eventual babyface turn, man. Did that ever happen for you? Oh yeah, yeah. I had a huge babyface run when I, uh, when I like a Eurocontinental run when I took the European title and the Intercontinental title from Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. That was um, that was a huge babyface run for me. Um, I wish it had gone longer. Um, but I had a great, I had a great singles run as a Bay face. Yeah, that man. Fucking two belts at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, yeah, bro. I was so happy. I, I'll tell you full secret right now. I remember sitting in my hotel room. It's Columbus, Ohio. I had a twin room. It was just me. I, I put both belts on the bed. I looked at him and said, holy shit. And I just couldn't believe what I was looking at. You know, it was like, here's the European yeah. title. Here's the intercontinental title laying right there. And I'm like. My goodness, that's pretty damn awesome. Hey, man. You know, uh, I'm extremely happy with all my accomplishments, but the European, or not the European, the intercontinental title eluded me my whole career. Dude, that was, I mean, and, and I love my European title. Intercontinental title is that workhorse title that's been around from, you know, Pat Patterson. And you look at the list of guys who held that title. Um, yeah. You need to go back and get a run just to get the IC belt one more time. Just go get it. <laughs> no, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, though. Uh, go, get go get it. You you brought up Pat Patterson. Yeah. I, I didn't write this down, but while I was flipping through the Observer, I vaguely remember seeing you guys were doing house shows where like Pat Patterson was like overturning finishes or something like that. I don't know if that resonates with you guys um, when it came to what you were doing with the, the European title on the house shows was just that guy who you could walk up to and go and I remember Pac and I did this um, we were like hey we, we wrestled so much we've kind of run an idea for finishing Pat goes just looking at us goes try this 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 and we went out there and did it and the crowd went as Pat would say banana banana um, the, the crowd went banana the finish was so good we ended up using it like raw like two weeks later so Pat wasn't overturning finishes you could just go up to Pat and ask him for his input on a finish, he was that gifted for yeah. a finish guy that he could just off the top of his head blow things out. And you're like, how are you thinking about that fast? Yeah, Pat was, and Pat, Pat was Pat, one of Pat's like um, mottos was always give, make the people feel like they got something extra. Yeah, you know, yeah, like whether it be like just in the match or the overall show, you know, like always make them feel like they got something extra. Yeah, he, he was definitely the the most gifted wrestling mind I've ever been around. 
so at this point, you know, backstage and in the and in the company, you know, this is your third big bout here in just a couple months. This one's on pay-per-view, kind of the middle of the show. Are you hearing from your peers that like the work you guys are doing is unique and really standing out? Is there like a support for what you guys are doing? I just wanted to get a vibe on like what the locker room feel was on the work at the time you guys were doing. Huh. I don't know, dude. I, I know the boys were very supportive. I know Rom was always supportive and you know, take we're always put two cents in. Um I, I I'm I'm sure the, the boys were, were happy what we're doing, but they were also also off worried about what they had to do later on in the show as well. Yeah, unless they had to follow us. <laughs> unless they had to follow us. That's one thing. Guys didn't want to follow us because they knew we were gonna go work our asses off. Yeah. Well, I know, I know to the observer, but this judgment day show, y'all's match was voted the best match of the show. The Undertaker Kane main event did not was not well received critically, historically, it would seem in retrospect. Hmm. Well, huh. I mean, that's that's a huge pat on the back, which I never even I didn't even know that. Um but well, I mean, I just remember going out there and, and working. Like and I tell this joke all the time. I think Sean and I could have a good match in a phone booth. Like literally, I think you put us in a phone booth, we'd have a hell of a match. So yeah, hey, like if I have any like slight criticism about like our our stuff together is we might have gotten so comfortable with each other, mm-hmm. like um, you know, like I don't know, I don't want to say almost, I don't want to say I was going through the motions, but like because we we're out there busting our ass, but um it just felt so like comfortable in there with you d yeah it, it, it became it, it, and not that this it's actually a bad thing it became too easy it became too easy to have a good match and that's that, yeah that's like first world problems it became too easy to have a good match but as a as a as a wrestler you want to be challenged and you want to always up your game you always you never want to feel like you're taking a night off and i always say that in the ring with you is a night off and that's not that's not what you want always Right. It was so easy, didn't feel like work. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And everything you guys did was so deliberate. You know, that was the thing, too. And maybe that's why you say it felt so easy because, like, when the fans were there, I mean, you couldn't get any hotter fans than WWF in 98, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, when you hit one thing and then just took a second to pause, you know, I go back to what you said earlier, Sean, about that kind of uh, WCW cruiserweight style, but with that. Uh, with more psychology layered on top of it. Like you guys were hitting big moves, but you also knew how to kind of let things breathe. It was a really nice balance that I think you guys found. I, I don't know if I'm just rambling a no, little no, bit. No, no, that's exactly mm-hmm. right. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. From, from day one, I was always taught it's not the move. It's the stuff in between the moves between where the you moves. make your money. And 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 take hitting something and taking that beat and you stand up and you look at the crowd and they start chanting D-Lo sucks or they start chanting for Xbox. That's where the money is made. That's where they're invested in what you're doing. And that's when you know your storytelling is right where it needs to be when they're giving you that audible feedback. That's kind of like you look down, I look down at Pac and it's like, I'm smiling and he's smiling too, but we're both in the minute. But we know we're hearing that we're going, yeah, this is good. We yeah. got, this is where we want to be. Yeah. Well, um, following this bout at Judgment Day, um, Sean, you held the title until it got dropped to Shane McMahon a few months later, and then it was retired. So really, this series of matches we just described was kind of like the culmination of this title. I mean, Shane was technically, I guess, the last person to hold it there, but really it was the series of matches you guys had that I think in a lot of ways 
kind of did define, you know, what that title was all about. I mean, do you think uh, it should have been kept around? Do you think it should be brought back? I mean, what are your thoughts on kind of what happened to the title after you guys did this work, you know, shining it up? I don't know why they phased it out because, I mean, uh, we were still like, Europe was still such a huge market for us, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I that, and the title had a great lineage, man. Like Shawn Michaels yeah. had it, Hunter, mm-hmm. you, me, like Al, Al Snow had it. Like, um, and, I, and I think I think, I think if we look at like that, that summer, we put some steam on the title where it, 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 it went from being a throwaway title to actually having meaning. Yeah. And and that was due to the hard work of like you know all the guys you've named and countless many more who held the title because um, we put time and effort into it. I don't know why they got rid of it. Um, I don't know why they phased it out. I mean, it, it's aesthetically, I, I thought it was a beautiful belt. Agree. I, I got, I got if if you, I got the belt here somewhere right now. I was going to ask you if you had it. Hit pause. I'll be right back. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I think that I had, I don't know, I doubt it's in my, my toy chest here, but I had the D'Lo action figure with the European Championship. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. I really, like, I really loved the look of that belt, and I really hated the look of that IC belt that they that they had at the time. With the purple strap? It. Yeah, I hated it. The one you yeah, had, I hated that yes. IC title. I remember laughing at it when Rocky first got it. But then when I won it, I was like, it's the prettiest belt I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Rocky. Yeah. Rocky Maivia. Look at that. <clears throat> okay. Let's see. Here she Da-da-da-da. goes. What a thing of beauty. Yeah, she's she's a this is actually this is actually Woo! the one. It's that's the actual belt, huh? This is the one, yeah. Nice. Wow. This is the one. And she is, uh, it's, it's amazingly gorgeous. It was put together very, very well. And like, I have an IC belt and I have this one. I don't take the IC belt out because no one wants to see it. They only want to see this belt. Yeah. They yeah. only want to see this. People, people take pictures of this without me, just with the belt. And it's got the WWF logo yep. on it. It's got the yeah. WWF logo. It's, it's got the WWF on the back here. Yeah. And and the actual straps, not the Velcro that they do now. Yeah, no, it's, it's oh, is that what they're doing now? Oh yeah, everybody's got Velcro now. Oh, that's rotten. The this is the belt. Hmm. Wow, it's nice to see it. It's yeah. I've been a long time. I don't think you could have booked a better finish for your European title look back than having the actual European title, you know, yeah. main event your podcast, you know. Yeah, she, uh, yeah. hey man. Hey, uh, before before we wrap it up, though, hey, Nick, um, you mentioned this earlier, and, and Dee touched on it too, man. That tag match, Kane and I versus um, versus Dee and Mark Henry, that mm-hmm. uh, it gets overlooked because, you know, um, it was on the show that Owen, Pat, that Owen died. Yeah. You know, but look, thank God, like, man, I don't know if we'd have been able to go out and have that match if, if we would have had to go out, go out after – I I, I, I I tell everybody that we were first match out and we went out there had a hell of a match. Killed it. We tore that place up. I could not have had that match if we'd have done that after. 
I, I my hats off. To, I mean, I, I don't know how anybody went out there afterwards, man. Like, and, and yeah, I, I tip my hat to anyone who had to go out there and perform afterwards. But I, I'm I'm thankful we had we were on early and. Yeah, match gets overlooked because everything happened, and rightly it should. But man, that was one of our our best pieces of work, and and having at you know our normal stuff and adding in Kane and Mark to the equation and just going out there for twenty minutes, just tearing the roof off the building was was fun. Yeah, I loved it. I, loved I don't, it. I don't, I don't know that you can even find over the edge. I don't, I don't know if it's on the network. Is it? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know either. I'd have to I don't know. It out um man what a bummer um well uh thank you guys for allowing me to go on this this ride with you this was a ton of fun and while you were going and getting your nice european championship delo i went into my box of toys and i found my x-pac and delos here so, <laughs> <laughs> so look oh. it's a very accurate recreation of what it looked like in 98 right here you know? it is <laughs> and then Sean would rub his crotch in your face, right? Yeah. As way. So, hey D, how how was it getting my nuts in your face every night for several dude, months? <laughs> dude, that's the closest I've ever been to a man in that way ever in my life. <laughs> but I got to tell you, the one the counter that people talk about to this day is the one time I put my foot up. Yep. And and you came in for the crotch, and I put my foot up, and you just you just stopped. And then shot back, yeah. and it was that was people talk about that all the time. They're like that that counter to the to the to the, the Bronco bus was amazing. That was I I, I love doing that too, and because because it always got that kind of reaction, and people can never figure out how I could do it and not hurt myself. Yeah. And it was like, well, there's a couple of reasons. One is I had three layers of stuff: tight <laughs> singlet and trunks, and I have small nuts. My testicles oh. are small. Boom. <laughs> I don't have big balls. And that was in the judgment day. Literally. That was in the judgment day match, D'Lo. And I'm glad you brought it up because it was on my sheet. And I was trying not to go into like every cool little move that you guys did to kind of let the conversation breathe. But I watched that particular spot back a couple times. And like watching Sean, because you had to do both hands on the top rope, both feet mm-hmm. on the middle rope, like to be able to just stop it. I don't care how small your nuts are. Be able to just stop it where you're just kind of love tapping his foot there. That's a, that's a lot of cat like reflexes there, Sean. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, but but when you're in the moment too, shit hurts less. So even if it did hurt, man, I was willing to take the pain because okay. we, we knew it was gonna we knew it was gonna be cool. And I'll yeah. I'll sell for I'll sell in the locker room, but you know it's it's okay to hurt in the locker room, yeah. but out there anything goes. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, this is really fun, man. Um. Uh, you know, you know, D. I have to, I have to have uh, my colleagues, my longtime friends, uh, on my show just to have a conversation with them like this. Like, like I don't know if we've ever sat and had a conversation this long ever, as long as we know each other. No, I mean, we're friends. We would talk in the locker room. We'd have a ten minute conversation about something. But this is the longest yeah. sustained one time conversation we ever had, which is which sounds weird considering how 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 i view you in my career my life it, it sounds weird yeah but i mean that's just like it's it's wrestling that's how it happens yeah it's wrestling yeah man i i've had a really good time doing this with you man thank you so much d thank it's fucking it's on. great man like reliving a lot of this stuff i i love it and and you know wrestling's my passion 
And I got to, I got to be in there with someone who who loved it as much as I did. So, um, yeah, thank you for bringing me on this ride with you, and thank you for having me on the pod, man. This is this is awesome. Anything you want to talk about, like, um, you know, what you got going on, like anything you well, want to plug? Um, you know, I'm out of the ring competitively now, thank God. But um, my work still lives on because I'm I'm I agent for Impact Wrestling. Nice. Um, you can see it. You, yeah, you can see us. Um, Access TV, 8 p.m. every Tuesday. And some of the ways that we build a match and had agents work with us is the way I help build matches with um, with our talent. You know, I let them create, let them be artists, and I'll throw one or two things in there and let them go have fun. And it, it, makes, right a, it makes a more authentic product, I believe. And, so, then, you know, and then, D, you know, like, when you when you – when you do that with them, it gives them a chance to grow on their own too. Like, Absolutely. so it's, they're not, you're not holding their hand every step of the way, you know? Yeah. I, I, you know, I've always said you can't learn if I'm telling you the answer to every test, on, yeah, test yeah. On, you know, every answer on the quiz on the test. If I'm giving you the answers, how are you going to learn anything? So I let them go out there and, and, and if I find, if I hear something where they're really not going the right way, I'll jump in, but the rest right is just go, go have fun, create. Yep. Make some magic happen. So, yeah, thir- uh, Tuesday nights, 8 o'clock, Access TV. Um, guys, if you want to hit me up on Twitter, at DLoBrown75, only verified DLoBrown. Um, I talk about, uh, you know, Chicago Bears, Liverpool soccer, football, um, and I'll talk wrestling and food. Nice. Oh, and my, and my new dog, Kuma. I'll oh, yeah. Box. I'll what kind of – what is what, – Kuma's a girl or a boy? A boy, he's an Akita. So, oh, wow. The okay. beautiful dog, Kuma. Beautiful. Kuma translates to bear Japanese. Yep. So, when I see the picture of him, you'll go, oh, that's a damn bear. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. like people people that know about dogs know that Akitas were used to hunt bear. Yeah. Ki- yeah. Akitas were, yeah. they're, they're, they're um, royal dogs that the emperor would have. They take them out on hunts. Um, kingdoms were won and lost with these dogs. So, um, they're beautiful animals. They're very protective and they're, they're loyal to, a, to the, to the end. Nice. Um, so when they take you in and you're part of their pack, that's all they'll protect is their pack. Hey, Hey Nick, is there anything else you want to add? Um, well, I guess, uh, if you like me, I'm at house rebel, H A U S rebel on Twitter. I host the wrestling Inc. daily podcast. That's Monday through Friday over at wrestling Inc. And, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on the ride, Sean. It's been a lot of fun, and it was great chatting with you, D'Lo. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed getting to go back and watch yours and Sean's work today and uh, talking to you about it tonight. It was a blast. My, the pleasure was all mine. So thank thanks. you. Thank you.